If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Psalm chapter 27 as we continue in our series. Actually, kind of rounding the bend, if you will. Uh, we're getting close to finishing our series that we've been in all summer in the book of Psalms. We've been in a series called Selah or Selah or Selah. Some, it's pronounced several different ways. Uh, and that word is mentioned 71 times in the book of Psalms, a couple times elsewhere. And the meaning really is to pause and to, to calmly consider or to stop and take a pause and consider the words of David and a few of the other authors of this amazing book, the book of Psalms. And today we're going to be in Psalm 27 and we're going to be taking a look at this chapter where David describes how he wins the war that he has with fear. And David had a lot of reason to be afraid. It seems like in his life, if you read the story of his life, it seems like David is always running from some enemy. Whether it's his son, or whether it's a, the previous king, Saul, or whether it's Goliath who he ended up standing up to. But he's always running from an enemy, and he had a lot of reason to be afraid. And if I'm really honest with you, if I, if I take a look at our lives in the time and the place that, that we live, um, we, we certainly have a lot of reason to be afraid, don't we? If, if we just simply watch the news over the last few weeks, just the top few stories gives us reason to be afraid, doesn't it? Just a few weeks ago, a little over a week ago, we were in the midst of uh, North Korea potentially launching a missile out into a, a helpless island in the Pacific Ocean. Just over the past few days, we've seen the terror that happened in Barcelona. And I believe 14 now people have died because of the terror in Barcelona. And a lot of you, I'm sure, were very aware last Saturday of the events that took place in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. A place that uh, I uh, had an internship with my senior year in college, a beautiful, beautiful city in central Virginia, home of uh, the University of Virginia, a beautiful place. And it's sad to see these stories, and if we, if we just take a look at the news, um, we can be fearful of the future. We can be fearful of what might happen tomorrow. Some of you are like, there's an eclipse tomorrow. All of these things are happening. This is a little strange. Yeah, I'm a little afraid of literally tomorrow. I was so afraid of tomorrow, we canceled all of our plans, and we're staying home tomorrow. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of anything that would happen. I was afraid of the two million people that are going to be on the roads tomorrow. Anyway, that's my fear. We have a lot of reason to be fear. And as I have um, been thinking about this message over these past few weeks, I got thinking about the fact that what we saw in all three of those cases, in all three of those situations, whether it was over in North Korea um, and the threat that's kind of continually there, whether it was a terrorist attack in Barcelona, or whether it was a white supremacist group that, that caused someone, that, that killed someone, and then caused, I believe, two others to die as a result. The, the word that comes to mind over and over and over again that we hear all day long is hate. And that's true, isn't it? Hate is at the center of all three of, of those situations and all three of those issues. But I, I want to appeal to you today that at the center of hate and evil 
is fear and insecurity. Because we, as people, can get extremely, extremely hateful and violent, and we can give in to the worst side of us when fear runs our life. I just want to take this moment as your pastor, too, just to um, say something about what happened in Charlottesville. And uh, um, I, I just want to, want to say this, that um, for a long, long time, um, when it comes to racism in America, unfortunately, the church has been far too silent. We sometimes have the tendency to pick and choose the issues that we focus on. And, and I want you to know that as long as I'm the pastor this church will stand up against racism in any form, in our community, and in America. Because it's evil. It's evil, and it's sinful, and it's wrong in any form. In any form. And we as humans, when sin entered the world, we chose to follow that and we chose to follow hate, and we chose to follow the fear and insecurity that arises. And I also want to let you know that if you hear any one of these groups, these white supremacist neo-Nazi groups claim to be Christian, they are inherently wrong about that. They are absolutely wrong. And you guys know I don't speak about politics hardly ever. But this is an issue that I'm going to speak out on. And if we are faced with issues that applies to us as, as a church and, and we as Christians, uh, I'm going to talk about them. And this is one that I'm talking about today. And I want to let you know it's wrong. They are the furthest thing from anything that I've ever read in Scripture. They're intrinsically unchristian. And they're atheists and they have no place and the church has no place aligning with them. And I want to call us as a people to face our fears, to, to, to recognize that um, we have a responsibility to call ourselves and our families and our communities to repentance and to restoration and to reconciliation. The, the Bible speaks of that in Corinthians. God said he created this world. He created all of the world. The gospel is, is a reach to all people. It doesn't matter the color of anyone's skin or the background they came from or the place they came from. The gospel message is true for all of us. And we as a church are going to speak out against that. And we're going to call ourselves to the truth of repentance and reconciliation. If we're going to be a church that wants to accomplish the great things for God that I believe that he has for us in our community, we may have to deal with a few issues and attitudes of our heart. And at the center of everything that I've just talked about is fear. Soapbox over. All right, there we go. We're done with that right here. Um, you'll never hear me talk about a political party or a political leader or, or try to endorse anyone at all, but you are going to hear me talk about the truth. And when we're faced with the issues that we're faced with in our culture, I'm going to speak the truth, but I'll also speak it in, in love. 
And so today, I just want to point out that at the centerpiece of many of the issues that we're facing in our culture around the world, even here, here in our community in the South Carolina Lowcountry, um, we have fear that's in us. It's born in us because of sin. It begins in us from the very beginning, from our birth. And I believe that David understood this, and he addresses it in Psalm chapter 27. Would you take a look with me this morning? David says this. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And then he says this, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold, he says, of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear the war arises against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will not hide, his, uh, for he will not hide me in his shelter, for he will, excuse me, hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and my head shall be lifted above all of my enemies. And I will offer his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, he says, and make melody to the Lord. Verse 7, hear, O Lord. When I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. There we see the anger slipping into David's attitude because of fear. Cast me not, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother, they have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witness has risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And David in this moment of kind of brutal honesty, I think gives us a, the plan that we can have in our lives to, to win the war against fear that may be deep, deep in our lives. And I think there's four things that we can consider, kind of a four-step process that we can consider when we are faced with fear of any kind. And let's face it, man. Fear can consume us, can't it? It can consume us in a moment. It can take over our lives. It can be our obsession. It can be the thing that we think about night and day. And David, in these 14 verses, lays out a great plan to fight against fear. First and foremost, he affirms his faith in God. And that's the first thing that we've got to do, you and I, when we're faced with fear. When you're faced with fear, you've got to affirm your faith in God alone, first and foremost. That's what David does. He affirms his faith in God right out of the gates. Now, I want you to see what he does here because I think it's interesting the order in which he writes this. He comes out in verse 1 and he makes this bold statement. He says this. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then David begins to describe his fears. I think so often we do the opposite. We focus our priority on the fear. We focus on the reason that we're so afraid. And believe me, God wants to hear that. We'll talk about it in a moment. But I think the first thing that we need to do, that you and I need to do when we're faced with an overwhelming fear, is we need to make a bold statement about our faith in God first and foremost. It needs to come as a priority before we focus on the object of our fear. And he does it right out of the gates in verse 1. He is my light and my salvation. For some of you, man, it's overwhelming right now what you're faced with. A fear of a, of, of a relationship, a fear of finances, a fear of like a complete lack of security in the world. You're afraid of what tomorrow might hold in our society, in our world. Some of you are fearful that tomorrow you're going to show up and, and your job is, is going to be taken away. Some of you are starting school like you started school last week or perhaps over the next few days. Um, I remember being your age. They're right down here in the front row, by the way, um, if you wonder who I'm pointing to. I remember, guys, being your age and being so fearful. Um, I did not do well on tests ever. As an example, Cynthia and I took the same class in college, we took one class in, in college together when we were sophomores. It was biology, college biology. And um, to, to say that um, she studied is an overstatement. And to say that I studied is an understatement. I studied long and hard, and she studied, yeah, she read a little bit, and she'd ask me a few questions. And she, got a, she aced the class, and I got a, you know, like barely got to be in the class. I was fearful of school from an early age. I was. Terrified me. Tests. I was the guy that broke out with sweaty palms when the test was passed out. I'm doing it right now, just thinking about it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We have a lot of fear. And the first thing that we need to do when we're faced with those fears is make a bold statement about our faith in God. And if you're here today, and and, Todd, I, I can't even start there because I don't have faith in God. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to make him a part of your life, every single aspect of your life, every part of it, every corner of it. Even the fearful parts, maybe even most importantly, the fearful parts. And so David affirms his faith in God alone right out of the gates Look at the words that he uses in verses 2 and 3. He talks about uh, how he's assailed, how they're eating, the enemies are eating his flesh. He has adversaries and foes, and they camped against him. They arise against him. David was overcome with fear. And if you know anything about David's life, um, David had severe anxiety throughout his life. Perhaps rightly so. If he were in counseling today, if he went to meet with a psychologist today, he would be a candidate for anti-anxiety medication probably but David didn't turn to that he turned to the Lord he made a bold statement about his faith and I hope that challenges you I hope that encourages you we should do the same so if we want to win the war against fear if you want to win the war against fear you've got to affirm your faith in God but secondly you've got to turn your mind and your thoughts to who God is. 
Oh, man, I love verses 4 through 6. And you'll see this. This is something that every counselor and psychologist and therapist in the world will talk to you about. If you go in and you say, hey, I've got these fears and I've got these things that are overwhelming me, anxiety. They'll try to get your mind to switch from that fear to something else. That wasn't news to God. That wasn't news to the, the man that God used to write this passage, David. David recognized that his anxiety had overtaken him, that he was obsessed with it, and maybe rightly so. And so what does he do? He focuses on who God is. He says this in verse 4, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after. He says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he says, I want to gaze on, say that next word with me, gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his holy temple. That's why I love that song. What a wonderful Savior that we just sang. And for some of you, maybe your reminder is taking a three-by-five card and writing it, you know, writing that verse, that first verse there, that, that the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And for others of you, it might be changing the input of your mind. Several years ago, Cynthia and I recognized that we were being overcome with anxiety and fear because we are simply watching the news all the time. And I'm here to tell you, one of the greatest things that we did, that we did for our marriage and for our family was to turn off the news. Am I right? If you are in the news industry, I'm sorry, okay? I, like, I'm not, like, you know, I'm, this isn't personal, okay? Nothing personal. But if, you, if all we do is just let that permeate our minds all the time, no wonder we're going to be filled with fear. Because we have a lot of reason to be afraid. I'm not saying to ignore it. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that we walk around in a fog pretending that the world is just fine with rose-colored glasses. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that sometimes we need to turn the noise of the world off so that we can focus on God and how beautiful he is. Turn our mind and our heart and our attention to him. He says, I want to, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Look at verse 5. He says, for he, God, will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble. We talked a little bit about that last week. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. If you're here today and you've got something that you're faced with tomorrow that you are so incredibly worried and scared about and it fills you with anxiety, you can be covered in the shelter of the Most High. That's good news. He will lift me high upon a rock. He says my head will be above my enemies all around me. Jonathan Edwards, that great theologian, great preacher of, of old, part of the move of God in America and the first great awakening, he was recorded as, as writing this in a, uh, another book, another, um, I guess, a, uh, uh, a book about his life from Ian Murray. In the banner of truth. And this is what he said. I love this. He said, the first instance that I remember of 
that sort of inward sweet delight in God and divine things that I have lived much in since was on reading the words of 1 Timothy 1.17, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And Jonathan Edwards says, As I read the words, there came to my soul and was, as it were, diffused through it, a sense of the glory of the divine being. He said, Never any words of Scripture seemed to me as those words did. And I thought about how excellent a being that was and how happy I should be. You know, we focus on all of the evil and all the things around us. Yes, we need to do our part. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But sometimes we need to stop and allow that to be filtered out and filter God in. If you want to win the war over fear, first and foremost, affirm your faith in God. Secondly, focus on him. Thirdly, engage in an honest conversation with God. I'm not going to read all these next five verses, but I want you to hear verse 7 in particular. And 8, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. He says, Be gracious to me and answer me. Does that sound demanding to you? Does it sound a bit presumptuous of David to demand that God would, first of all, hear him and be gracious to him and answer him? If you're a mom or dad in here, you've always had those times where your sweet child who was so cute and cuddly when they were a baby, all of a sudden at two or three years old is demanding something from you. Am I right, parents? It's shocking. And David is presumptuous. He is bold because he knows he has a big God that can take away his fear. And so many times over these past few weeks, we see David and and in particular one of the other psalmists crying out to God, audibly giving like, you know, words and, and voice to what's going on inside. Listen, I want you to hear this. God wants you to be genuine and authentic and honest with him. The Holy Spirit is called the great counselor, among other things. And I'm a big proponent of counseling. You know, you've heard me talk about that. We all need it from time to time. The psalmist says there's great safety in counsel as well. But the first and foremost counselor that we should have in our lives is him. And we can go to him with our our deepest fears, our our greatest struggles, our, our intense anxiety. And so we should. And so the third step in winning the war against fear is for you to go to God and engage in honest conversation. And lastly, and I think this is the most difficult part, is we've got to allow time for God to remove the fear. We have to allow him time to work. We want a quick solution. We want it answered now. We want it answered yesterday. We we want that fear to be alleviated. We want that situation to be solved and solved now. And we're not willing to wait on God to do the the miracle in our lives. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But look what he says in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take 
Say that next word. Courage. <laughs> Waiting on God breeds courage. And what do we need in the face of fear most of all? Courage. And then he answers with wait to the Lord. And, and at first glance you think, well, who's he talking to here? Is, da- is David talking? Did somebody else arrive on the scene? Like he's talking, he's having this conversation, he's writing to God, he's, he's getting this off his chest, he's, he's like having this great intense conversation with God, and all of a sudden he says, he, he changes it and he says, wait for the Lord, almost as if he's talking to someone. He says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. And I equate this to sometimes when we are struggling in a certain area, and we begin to say it to ourselves as if we're another person, am I Right? Like, man, work hard. I, I got to keep on studying. Keep studying, Todd. Keep studying, Todd. You got to study for that test. You got to do the right thing in the face of, of what you're being asked to do in a business situation that mm, might be kind of like on the edge. It might not be exactly, you know, like illegal, but it might be immoral. You might say, hey, you got to hang in there. You got to hang in there. And David cries out. He cries out to God, but then he cries out in a way to himself. And he says, David, wait for the Lord. It's kind of like me teeing off, like, hit it straight, Todd. Hit it straight, Todd. Hit it straight, Todd. David says, wait on the Lord. We want an answer now. G. Campbell Morgan says this about waiting. He says, waiting for God is not laziness. Oh, there's a fine line there, isn't there, though? Waiting for God is not going to sleep. This is where our part comes in. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first activity under command. And I just want to let you know that in the times in my life when I have had great fear, and I've gone through some of these steps that David went through to to alleviate that fear, to win that war over fear, there was something at the end of the day that for me to get over the hump of that fear that God called me to do. (laughs) Or an attitude that God called me to change. Or a posture that God called me to reconsider. And I wonder what he's going to call you to do to get over your prevailing fear. You know, from the, from the beginning of time, we're, we're fearful of things. I want you to think about when you were young. There was probably something that you were afraid of when you were young. For me, it was our basement. Dark, dusty, moldy basement. And I... I'm telling you, I broke world records running up the stairs from my basement growing up because as soon as I turned the light off at the bottom of the stairs, <laughs> there was a guy from Guinness World Record waiting at the top of the stairs going, yep, you've done it. You've done it. Again and again, you beat your last record because I would bolt up those stairs. There were 12 stairs. I think I touched two of them on the way up, and I'm short. <laughs> you know, I got thinking about this over the past few weeks. Man, that basement seemed terrifying as a child and I thought when I grow up I won't be afraid anymore and all growing up does is bring more fears into our lives doesn't it all of a sudden we go from being afraid of the dark (laughs) 
We go from being afraid of abasement to being afraid that we're not going to succeed in school. (laughs) To being afraid of what people around us are going to think of us. Then we get a little bit older and, you know, we might get married and all of a sudden the responsibility of life kicks in and all of a sudden we have fears that are financial in nature and the fear grows. And all of a sudden we have an issue with our spouse and, man, our relationship begins to be torn apart. And all of a sudden we fear the failure of our marriage. And then we have kids and we begin to inspect them and look at them and think about their success. And we feel, fear the failure of our children. And you see how fear is a snowball. It can get worse and worse and worse and worse. It's endless if we don't stop and put our focus on God and affirm our faith in him and put our mind and our thought on who he is and truly get honest with him about our fears and then wait on him. If we don't do that, our fear will overtake us. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for all of us in this room because we all have fears. God, we all have things in our life that we are overcome with. We all have that prevailing thing in our lives that kind of always seems to be the thing that gives us great fear. Maybe it's success or the lack thereof or relationship and the lack thereof or maybe it's finances and the lack thereof or maybe it's what's going on in the world and the fear that we have of tomorrow. I'm going to ask you to be bold enough with every head bowed and every eye closed just to be honest with God for a moment. And I want to pray for you. So if you would this morning, if you'd say, hey, Todd, I've got a fear in my life that is prevailing, that is over and over again, something I'm afraid of, if you would just raise your hand. I'm raising mine right now, okay? So I'm right there with you, okay? All right, keep them up for a moment. Just, I'm not even looking. God sees your hand. It's an admission that right now you've got something in your life that keeps coming back over and over and over again. And God, I pray for those who are honest enough right now to just raise their hand and say, yeah, I've got things in my life that I'm afraid of. My challenge is with your hand raised right now, would you just give that to him? Would you just say, yeah, God, this is yours. I'm going to take the steps to win the war that I have over fear. You can put your hands down. God, I pray that you would be with each of us in this place. God, that you would allow each one of us to take these steps that David clearly lays out in Psalm 27, and it's this prayer that, that he prays, this, this honest conversation that he has with you about all the things that he's afraid of. And God, I pray that you would help us to win the war over fear so that we can move to that place of abundance with you. And Father God, I pray for everyone in here who may have walked in here today and, and they can't get past that first step of affirming their faith in you because they've never made a decision to have faith in you. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, maybe you've like understood the whole God thing and you understand and you, you may have faith that there's a God, but man, eternity can be extraordinarily fearful because you've never placed your faith in God's Son for salvation. Jesus, 
said, God said that he sent his son into the world to love the world. John 3, 16. He loved all the world. And that includes you. And if you're here today and you've you've never put your faith in him, I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that right now. That's that first step in winning the war over fear is to say yes to Jesus. God's son who, who died on a cross. your sins so that one day when you die when eternity um, knocks at your door um, you can have that eternity with God in heaven one day and if you're here today I just want to challenge you invite you to make Jesus your savior by praying a prayer or something like it that I'm about ready to pray out loud if you're not sure if you don't know um, I, I want to challenge you to do that I encourage you to do that just say this prayer or something like it to God right now. Father, thank you. God, thank you so much for creating me. And thank you for giving your son Jesus to die for me. And right now, today, in this moment, even though I have a lot of fear and I have a lot of anxiety and a lot of insecurity, right now, I trust in you to be my Savior and I receive you as my Savior. Help me now to live for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer along with me, would you just raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many, many hands up today. God, I pray for those. If you just keep your hand up for a moment. I pray for those who have their hands raised right now. God, I thank you that their course in eternity is set because they've accepted you as their Savior. Thank you, Father, for that. And I want to encourage you to fill out that information card at the bottom of um, that worship folder that you received when you walked in today. Take it back to guest services. They've got something for you. You can put your hands down. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. God, help us, God, to trust in you to alleviate the fear in life. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.